Hey, good morning, Life Point Church, and all of you that are joining us online today. Happy Resurrection Day. You know what? Our buildings might be empty today, but that does not rob us of the joy in knowing that the tomb is empty as well, and Jesus is alive and well. As a matter of fact, I want you to just take a moment right now to write into the comment section right now. Go ahead and write, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And some of you might be wondering right now where I'm at. Well, I'm at the Avon campus of Journey Church, Pastor Jim and Jennifer Wilkes. Pastor Jim and Jennifer were so gracious and so kind to offer their church facility and staff to us today. And so I just want us to take a second to give a shout out to Journey Church Just go ahead right there in the comment section again. Shout out to Journey Church saying thank you, Pastor Jim, Jennifer, and your staff for hosting us today. You know, we've been in a series entitled Sprint to the Tomb. And we've been covering the account of John and Peter and Mary's trip to the empty tomb. So I want to pick up the story in John's gospel. Chapter 20, verse 11 says this. Now Mary stood outside of the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And they, were, uh, they have taken the Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And when Jesus spoke to her and called her by name, she realized that it was him. You know, we've already covered the fact that Peter and John left the tomb. And I find it funny that they left Mary weeping, standing right there by the tomb. And so Mary decides to take another look into the empty tomb. Her eyes are filled with tears and they're swollen from the lack of sleep. And as she bent down to take another look, she sees something that she did not see the first time. As a matter of fact, verse 12 tells us this, that she saw two angels dressed in white sitting, one at the head, the other at the feet of where the body of Jesus had been. Mary didn't know that they were angels. As a matter of fact, Luke's account, as well as Mark's account, describes the event and said that these these angels appeared to them as men. And so they looked like human beings to Mary, but they were actually heavenly messengers. And they asked Mary a strange question. They asked her, Mary, why are you weeping? I mean, isn't it obvious why Mary is weeping? It would be like 
you and I walking up to someone who was standing by the grave of a loved one and asking them, hey, you know what? Why are you crying? What's wrong with you? Why are you weeping? Well, it's obvious why Mary is weeping, but they're trying to get a point across to her, and we'll talk about that in a moment. You know that angels are mentioned in 34 books in the Bible, 17 in the Old Testament, 17 books in the New Testament. They are mentioned in the life of Jesus on three occasions. The first occasion that they are mentioned in the life of Jesus was at his birth. We know that the angels were there. We also read about angels being present at the temptation of Christ. And here, the third time we read about angels being present with Jesus was at his resurrection. But this is the only time that we read about the angels being seated. They were seated at his resurrection. Well, I think that this tells us a couple of things. The first thing that I think that it tells us, it speaks of the finished work of Jesus. That his work on this earth had finished, that it was completed, and soon he would be seated at the right hand of the Father, resting from his laborers and interceding for each and every one of us. I also see the two angels positioned in the tomb as important because it reminds us of a place in the Old Testament. It reminds us of a place called the Holy of Holies. You see, in the temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And one time every year, the high priest would go beyond the veil and he would walk into the Holy of Holies and he would take blood that was taken from an innocent lamb that had been sacrificed. He would take the blood and he would sprinkle that blood seven times on the mercy seat. When he sprinkled the blood seven times on the mercy seat, it was God saying that the sins of the nation had been atoned for by innocent blood. And so what rested on, uh, or what was in the ark, or what was in the Holy of Holies, was the Ark of the Covenant. It represented the presence of God. It represented the power of God. On top of that Ark was, was known as the mercy seat. Now, the mercy seat also had two images of angels. Remember, there were two angels in the tomb there that day. Two images of angels, and they were facing one another, but they were gazing down upon the mercy seat of God. So when you fast forward and you go into the tomb, here you have two angels, one at the head, one at the feet, and they're gazing where the body of Jesus had been. What does that say to you and I? It tells us that they are testifying to us that the blood of Jesus was accepted by the Father and that man had been forgiven of sin. The atoning work of Christ 
is complete. I don't know about you, but that's, that gives us reason to shout. That gives us reason to rejoice this morning that the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary was accepted by the Father, and we have now been given legal right and legal ac uh, access to the very throne room of God. Not only does it speak of forgiveness, but it also speaks of a witness to you and I. The Bible says that wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. It is a witness of the presence of God. It is a witness of the person or the presence of Christ. And Mary is about to find out or to experience that for herself in a moment. The third thing that I believe that it speaks to us about is the assurance of of God. The Bible says that if any two would agree on earth touching anything that they ask, it will be done for them by their Father which is in heaven. So let's look at this for a moment. The two angels bear witness to the resurrection of Christ, to the assurance of the resurrection of Christ, but most importantly, they testify to you and I of the forgiveness of sin. Now, the Bible says this. The Bible said that when she saw them, she turned and saw Jesus because angels always point back to Christ. She turns and she sees Jesus. That term, turned, is important to us because that's the term that we see in the word repentance, Repentance is to turn. It is to change directions. It is to change course. It is to turn from one direction and turn and go in a complete opposite direction. And so she sees the witness. She sees the witness of Christ's resurrection and she turns to Jesus. You see, the empty tomb always turns us back to Jesus. And I believe this Easter season, I believe that some are going to take a second look, just like Mary. You're going to take a second look at the empty tomb. And I believe that there are people that are visiting the empty tomb today. All around the world, people are tuned in to services that are being offered and I believe that they're getting a second chance, another opportunity to peer into and see that the tomb is empty. And I believe that some of you are going to do just like Mary did. The Bible said she stooped down or she bowed down. You know what that speaks of? That speaks of humility. She humbled herself. And I believe that there are those who are going to humble themselves. They're going to bow down and they're going to see that the tomb is empty, just like Jesus said it would. You know, James 4, 6 says this, that God will resist the proud, but yet he gives grace to the humble. Grace is God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it, but it is a free gift from God. For we are saved, the Bible says, by grace, through faith, not of our works, least any of us would try to boast about it. 
So I believe all over, all over the world today, I believe that people are going to bow. I believe that people are going to humble themselves and they're going to see the grace of God and they're going to see the mercy of the Father. They're going to experience the forgiveness of a loving, caring Father and they're gonna have the assurance that their sins have been forgiven. And so Mary turns and when she turns, she sees Jesus standing there. But the Bible said that Mary didn't recognize him. And Jesus asked Mary the same question that the angels had asked Mary. Woman, why are you weeping? You know, Jesus knew the answer because whenever God asks us a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He knows the answer. Adam, where are you? God is trying to get us to examine ourselves. He's trying to get us to look at ourselves. And so he asked Mary the question simply to get Mary to think about why she's so upset. And then he asked Mary this question. He asked her the question, who are you seeking? Mary, who are you seeking? And you know what? I think that's a good question for all of us today. Whom or what are you seeking? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that we're looking for? What is it in this life that we want? I think in this moment, the moment that we're living in, we have found that the, the things that we put our trust in, the things that we put our confidence in have been taken from us. And even if it's just temporary, I think it tells us this. I think it says to us that the things that we thought would bring us security and tranquility are not able to. And we're left searching. And this is what I know. And this is what I could tell you. That Jesus is the only one who can provide comfort, peace, and joy in times of uncertainty. You know, we've sought these things through many different avenues and many different means. But Jesus is the only one who's left standing. The Bible said that when she humbled herself, turned, remember that's all symbolic of acts of repentance. When she humbled herself and when she turned, she saw Jesus standing there. You know, every idol in America has been brought down. You just think about that right now. The economy, entertainment, sports. I mean, everything that, that we have idolized, everything that we put on a pedestal as a nation has been brought down. But can I tell you one thing this morning? Can I tell you that Jesus is still standing today? And if you'll turn, you'll see him. At this point, 
the Bible lets us know that Mary's eyes had not yet been opened. She doesn't realize that it's not a gardener that she's talking to, but that she's talking to the resurrected Lord and Savior. And her request goes back to what I brought up and what we were talking about at the beginning of this series. And that is this. Her desire, Mary's desire, was to be close to the body. Remember, on that first Easter morning, Mary couldn't sleep. So some, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Mary gets up and she goes to the tomb. And I just feel like Mary just wanted to be close to the body. She wanted to be near Jesus. And I talked about how that metaphorically, the Bible tells us that we are the body of Christ. Here's what I believe. I believe that crisis creates connection. You know, it's during this time that God is allowing us to reconnect. We're connecting with our families again. We're reconnecting with friends and with relatives and with neighbors. This is an opportunity that God has given us through this crisis to connect again. And I believe that God has given us the opportunity in this crisis to reconnect with the body of Christ as well. This is why I, be I believe that being part of a life group is vital. Being part of an e-group right now because, you know, we're still in our homes and we're still, we're still being, you know, practicing social distancing. So being part of an e-group is so vital right now because it's during times like this that we need to stay connected to the body. We need to stay connected to one another. And here Mary is, even though she doesn't know what to do, she just wants to be close to the body. And here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that absence does make the heart grow fonder. I'm hoping that this crisis creates a desire in each and every one of us to want to connect to the body of Christ. You know, I think the scripture that we've quoted most of our life, those of us who have been brought up in church, that scripture that says when David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I feel like that scripture is going to hold a whole new meaning to me. You know, when we get to come back together physically and assemble together and worship the Lord, I believe it's going to be a joyous occasion. And we're not going to take it for granted that we can come together and worship the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us come unto the house of the Lord. Right now, we're doing that in our homes and we're rejoicing in our homes and we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus in our homes today. But there's a day coming soon that we're going to regather. And I look forward to that day that we can connect together again and worship together as the body of Christ. I think the scripture that encourages us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together uh, even when we see that day approaching, it's going to mean something to us. You know, church is not going to be an option of many things. I believe it's going to be a priority for us to assemble back in the house of God together. So I pray 
that this crisis is used to create a desire in each and every one of us to connect to the body of Christ, to come together, to care for one another, and to connect with the body of Christ. You know Mary's heart? Look at Mary's heart. Mary's heart was simply to take care of the body of Jesus. That's where her heart was. I want to take care of the body of Christ. Sir, just tell me where you have laid him, and I will come and take him away. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, have you ever thought about that statement? I don't know. I don't know how much Jesus weighed, but I doubt very seriously that Mary had the strength to carry the dead weight of the body of Jesus. And even, and even if Mary had the means to transport Jesus, where would she take his corpse? I mean, is she going to take the corpse of Jesus home? You know, love doesn't ask the details. Love just shows up. It doesn't ask about the details. It just shows up. Love just wants to do something about the need. And so Mary, out of her love and out of her, out of her commitment to Jesus, she just wants to do something to help at this very moment. It's this raw love mixed with emotion that brought her to the tomb that day. So let's answer, let's answer the question. Mary, what is it that you're looking for? Well, if we look at it from Mary's point of view, Mary was looking for a corpse. She was looking for the dead body of Jesus. She wasn't looking for a living, vibrant body. She was looking for a corpse. And you know what? Maybe, maybe that's been some of your experience in church. Maybe your church experience and maybe the reason that you have forsaken assembling yourself uh, with the body of Christ is maybe that your past experience with the church has been like that of being part of a corpse, a body that's dead, where there's no life, where there's no joy, where there's no hope, and everything that people talk about, they seem to talk about how it used to be. In other words, there's no vision, there's no future, there's no passion for the lost, and every time you met and left, you felt worse than when you first got there. You know what? Can I just tell you something? You were just in the wrong place. You were seeking the living among the dead. That's what they asked. Why seek you the living among the dead? And so what that tells us is this. Don't look for a buried Jesus. Look for a resurrected Jesus. If you're not part of a living, growing, vibrant church, if you're not part of a body of believers who are there to care for one another and care for their community, if you're not part of a body that has hope, that has joy, that has vision, that are, that's filled with the Spirit of God, 
that has a passion for God, that has a passion for the people of God, then you need to find that body. And you're never going to find it in dead religion. And you're never going to find it in dead places. But you need to find a body that is full of life and full of vision and full of the Spirit of God. Jesus was standing right in front of her, and she missed him. And the reason that she missed Jesus was because she was looking for a corpse and not the resurrected Savior. A resurrected body is full of faith and full of love, full of power and full of forgiveness. When you find it, join it, become a part of it. I believe that there were a couple of reasons why she didn't recognize him. One might be that Jesus chose simply at this moment not to reveal himself to her, just like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It wasn't until Jesus, watch this, came into their homes and sat down with them and broke bread with them that their eyes were opened and they realized that Jesus had risen from the dead and he was right there with them in their home, just like he is with you right now. Maybe you don't realize that, but as we have assembled together in our homes today, know that the presence of Christ, wherever two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is in the midst of them. And I pray you get that revelation today. I pray that that is revealed to you that Jesus is in your home. That sanctuary right now is your home. And finally, Jesus reveals himself to Mary. It's in verse 16 again. Jesus said to her, Mary. And when Jesus called her name, the Bible said she turned and realized that it was Jesus. Do you realize that one word changed Mary's life. That word was Mary. And Mary went from mourning to laughing, from pain to peace, from defeat to victory, when Jesus called her by name. It changed everything for her. And when Jesus calls us by name, it changes everything. When we hear his voice, everything changes. How does he reveal himself to her? Not visually, but vocally. It was what he said, not what she saw. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want to ask you right now, can you relate to this? Can you relate to Mary? Can you relate to Mary in the sense of how often have you wondered, where is God? Where is Jesus in all of this? You know, there are a lot of people that might be asking that question right now. 
This is bad. Where is Jesus in all of this? But can I tell you that if we'll just take a moment and realize that he's right here, he promised us, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He said, I'm with you until the very end. And so I want to encourage you, don't lose sight of him in this crisis. Don't lose sight of him in this hour. Look for him in the darkest, bleakest hour of your life. Because if you will, you'll find him. You'll see him. Not only should you look for him, but you should listen for him. And if you'll listen, if you'll just be still before the Lord, you'll hear his voice. And you'll hear him calling your name. As a matter of fact, right now, I believe that there are those that are watching us. And right now, Jesus is calling your name. Just like he called Mary's name that day and revealed himself to her, I believe that he's calling your name right now. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsook you. He hasn't left the United States. He hasn't forsook us. He is right here. He's with us. And he's calling out your name right now. And if you'll humble yourself, and if you'll just turn, repent, if you'll just do that, you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You can experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll have the assurance and the witness that your sins have been forgiven. As a matter of fact, right now, I'm going to ask you to just join with me in this prayer. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Are you ready? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I come to you. Come on, pray with me. I come to you just as I am. I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I hear you calling my name through this message today. And I'm ready to turn. I'm ready to humble myself before you. And I'm asking you now to forgive me. I'm asking you to wash me in your blood and forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart now and I believe that you are the resurrected Savior. And from this moment on, I want to live for you. Jesus, I thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I thank you for saving me. I thank you for calling my name. It is in your holy name that I pray. Amen and amen. Listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, God bless you. Thank you so much. You can go to lpcmentor.com, lpcmentor.com. There's a place there 
that you can click to let us know that you prayed that prayer. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to put some material in your hand that, that's going to help you over the next few steps of your journey with Jesus. I'm rejoicing today and believing by faith that you've made that commitment to him and prayed that prayer. And here's what you need to do. You need to be just like Mary. The Bible said that after Mary encountered Jesus, she went back to the others and she shared everything that she saw and everything that Jesus said to her. Would you do me a favor today? Would you share with others what Jesus just did for you? Will you let everyone know that you've been born again? Testify of the fact that Jesus is alive and well. Once again, God bless you and thank you for joining us today. If you'll just stay with us, we have an announcement right after this service and we look forward to seeing you again right back here at The Point. God bless you. Happy Easter.